0: This week's Two Average Ordinary Guys. I'm Jonathan.
1: And I'm Scott.
0: And we're here to bring you a fun podcast on things guys are interested in. Uh, We're going to talk about movies and TV and film and sports and, you know, travel, leisure. If we're
1: lucky, maybe even women will think that this is interesting.
0: Perhaps, perhaps. But, you know, based on my past history, that's that's, yeah, that's not going <laughs> to happen. Uh, that's not going to happen. So uh, being that this is the first podcast, uh, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about ourselves. So um, that way the listeners get to know who we are and, and uh, maybe can relate with us. Um, so Scott, why don't you start? Tell us a little bit about you.
1: Yes. Uh, my name is Scott Hunt. I am a music professor, a freelance composer and songwriter, I am a husband, father, brother, son, and friend. Wow. wow. To the animals. I didn't finish. <laughs> nice. I, okay.
0: I love it. Okay. Yeah. I love it. You. Uh, myself, I am also a family man. I have a uh, awesome wife and two uh, kids that are... See,
1: now you just you, you messed up my thing because now my wife's going to be mad at me. I didn't say anything about <laughs> having an awesome wife. You really think our wives are going to listen to this? <laughs> <laughs> True. We on. could say whatever Go we wanted ahead. to, and they're like, "Yeah, we
0: this was great, great, honey, love it, I love that you're doing another thing. That's awesome, good for you." So, true. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Go on. But uh, yeah, I have, I have two boys um, who are sometimes awesome and other times not. Uh, but but I do love them. I'm um, interested in a lot of things. From I love music. I love um, love playing sports, especially tennis. Um, Love watching sports.
1: Um, Takes a lot of stamina. Does tennis?
0: It does. Yeah, tennis. The brilliant thing about tennis is that it truly is the only mono-e mono sport in the world. People will say boxing, but in boxing you get to talk to your corner guy after every round. Tennis, when you're actually like when you're watching, you know, Rafael Nadal play, he can never talk to his coach the whole match.
1: Is that a rule? It's a rule. Yeah.
0: So wow. it it truly is like it's it's you versus the other person and that's it and you you're isolated you're on an island for the entire match
1: so what about between at no point
0: at no point like when you go sit on the bench it's you and your thoughts if you talk to your coach you're disqualified
1: so. that is I never knew that yeah
0: yeah so and, and it also is the I think neurologists think it's the uh, the the safest game. It's it's good for your brain because it's like a chess match, but there's a very, very small percentage of any sort of head trauma. So... (laughs) so so anyways i uh, love that sort of thing and uh, i like playing music i'm a fashion guy I love clothing and all that jazz um so and, and i'm sure there's a lot more than i'm not saying so
1: yeah back to me um uh, my wife is awesome
0: <laughs> i bet your wife she is really awesome <laughs> okay. but not too awesome to where i'm creepy <laughs> so anyways i think uh i think we're gonna move on to this uh we, we're gonna start off every show with this uh Word of the day thing. New York Times does a word of the day every day, and I think that we're going to pick the best one from the previous week. Okay, uh, and then go for that.
1: So well, I think you'll you'll know the word, and then I will be the uh, the guinea pig here. I
0: think that 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 that's how it's going to work best.
1: And I fancy myself someone who has a very good vocabulary. One of the best vocabularies you ever see in your life. I think I would I would have one, but uh, <laughs> let's see what happens here. I, right. I'm I'm dying. So
0: here we go. Okay. Word is. Heriden, H-A-R-R-I-D-A-N. Hmm. Herodin. The phonic is H-E-R schwa. Like I need
1: to get a haircut because all this Herodin's in my face. <laughs> is that it? That's wrong. Oh.
0: <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> but, but once again, it's uh, H-E-R schwa. Okay. Oh, schwa. D schwa-N. Herodin. Hmm
1: man boy i i am uh stumping on right. this one Wait, just
0: just throw throw something out
1: Herodin. um i think it has something to do with sand <laughs> 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 well you
0: know what it does you're wrong okay oh, it is a scolding or even vicious old woman so she's quite the harridan oh yeah so i, I would think in, we're not
1: uh, talking about my wife here.
0: No, in my my mind more like librarians from childhood. Yeah. You know what I mean? Things like that. I mean, librarians were always like ah, be quiet, you know. Herodin. Herodin.
1: Well, again, I'm going to put this in the arsenal. Yep. And of insults. Yeah, so that the, I, have I, for I think I
0: think what needs to happen is that the next week you need to find a way to use this at least Let's three report times back. a day. Let's report
1: back each week. <laughs> because the best part about it. this
0: is that if you don't know it, then most other people don't. So you could actually get away with calling people hairdons to their face. Oh, and absolutely! I don't idea. know
1: any. I don't know one person that would know <laughs> exactly. know that definition.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, all right, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to be back on the other side, and we're going to talk about film and TV.
1: Shot Up next. To face that mean old woman when I get home They're gonna put me in the movies They're gonna make a
0: big star out of me All right, and we're back, and hopefully you are too. So we're gonna be talking about uh, some of the, the TV we're watching right now in this uh, What Are You Watching segment. So what are you watching, Scott?
1: Well, we were watching The Handmaid's Tale, my wife and I. Okay. That's what we do. Uh, I think it's um, going on uh, season four. Okay. But season one through three were fantastic. Really well done. And I think, I, you know, um, the actress, Elizabeth Moss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think that she's is great. One of the best actresses around today. Okay. Okay. Um, I put her really up there with like even Meryl Streep. That's crazy. It's crazy talk. But if she had the proper role in a movie, I think she could catapult herself there. She's so great. Um, what they ask for her to do each episode is so crazy. The the nuanced performance of, mm-hmm. you know, act sad, but surprised and. Cry and you know they yeah. just they just milk uh, milk her you know I mean she's she really was good.
0: just in uh, what the invisible something or other
1: the Invisible Man
0: the Invisible Man yeah okay yeah okay, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> escapes you it
0: escapes me yeah, I don't know how that's possible
1: what's your favorite superpower by the way
0: well, was invisible he invisible invisibility would yeah. be one of the things i would be really interested in i, I think i would that's think fun. so uh, just for multiple reasons on uh, sidebar um because i i would love to fly and that's what most people's would like oh i'd love to be able to fly well that's great but if you're flying and you look like a human then you're going to be a spectacle and that's probably not going to end well <laughs> but you could if you're invisible <laughs> then you could fly and you could fly free and that's why i really like like the invisibility angle there. So That's anyways,
1: good. back to handmaid's tale, but that, but yeah, but the handmaid's tale and, and that movie too, um, side note with the invisible man, it was good. Yeah. It was goodish. It's a very good renter. You know, I, we don't have to worry about going to the movies right now because of the COVID, but, yeah. um, it was good, yeah. but she is phenomenal. And it's, this is highly recommended. Have you seen that?
0: My wife watches it. I haven't watched it. Uh, my wife uh, really likes it. And, um, She's, uh, it's been one of the things that, my, my wife and I always want to watch TV together. We're, yeah. Because it's like kind of, we finally get the kids to bed. It's like usually an hour or two later than we expect it to be. Oh, God. I'm it? a, I'm, it's always. I'm an I'm a, I'm a early riser. My wife is not. So if we get the kids to bed and we're in bed at like 10 o'clock, I'm probably out by 10, 15. And my wife's like, ah, I'm going to stay up till three. Um, mm. And that's just, we're just different that way. So um normally what happens is i wake up in the morning and try to catch up on shows that we're watching and she'll go to bed late watch catching up on shows and we end up like getting off the uh, the episode and then we just finish shows so we end up watching all these up shows by herself so this was one uh handmaid's tale since she kind of started it and she was already on like season two before i even knew she was watching it or that the show existed um i haven't caught up yet but it's, it's something that she likes and she's talked quite a bit about and and uh, I, think, I think I need to give it a shot here in the future. Yeah,
1: definitely. Definitely. So. Uh, anything else on the uh, horizon that's coming out or something else that you are enjoying watching?
0: So a uh, couple of quick things on things I'm um, currently watching. Um, I've been a big fan of The Blacklist, which is now in Season 7 and was just kind of re-upped for Season 8. <clears throat> I've liked quite a bit. I'm not a huge fan of Network. But The Blacklist uh, typically has done a good job. I've been pretty happy with the blacklist uh, up until kind of this season. I mean, there's always problems with every show and this one has had its seasons where it's been kind of like, yeah, a little up, a little down, but generally it's been like pretty... whole
1: seasons that weren't a living. Or the, the trajectory bad... was uh, kind of
0: like, I'm like, ah, this trajectory. Cause I'm more of a mythology guy like you know, okay. like when we talked about like lost like back in the day oh god like i'm more of a mythology of lost guy so it felt a little flatter for me yeah. than it did for you which oh, cuz you were it. more yeah. about the overarching you're you more about the the story that was happening in front of you instead of the mythology of the island
1: and all absolutely
0: so this is kind of how it is with Blacklist. I'm much more interested in the mythology of the show than I am about the week in and week out of what's happening, actually, with the Blacklisters, if you will. So. Yeah. Um, but this season, I've been... Uh, every season's been broken into two sub-seasons. So we're in sub-season B of season seven. Um, and B has been kind of like, ugh, I, I I haven't been a huge fan. It's kind of going a little bit slow and it seems to be too many like uh, canned episodes where it's like the mythology doesn't move forward very much if at all and uh, things are a little bit fast like they happen too fast uh, there's been a, a couple really cool episodes there was a clue like ep- episode that was fun um, like a who done it episode? Yeah. Yeah, and okay. that was fun. Um, and, th- and there's been some a little bit of movement forward, but generally speaking, it's, they've been a bit preachy, especially the last two weeks, which is annoying to me. Additionally, it's just been kind of falling flat. But a show that I have really enjoyed a lot um, is The Outsider. Um, the Stephen King show that was um, on HBO um, being that it wasn't on network they did a fantastic job with it. The casting was great I've been very pleased with this I, have you seen this
1: I have um, my wife and I both watch it my wife is a huge Stephen King fan and uh, I, I loved it I really did yeah um, that? who's that Jason Bateman
0: yeah it started off yes yeah
1: well he's the director right he was the director and the producer? Actor. He started
0: in like the first four episodes I believe
1: so. Yeah, I mean, this was really great. Uh, I love the casting as well. I thought uh, I was engrossed in what the characters were going to do, how it was going to play out. I think if I would have read this synopsis, I might not have been as interested in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But watching it, I I really loved it. I, I don't know who the actor is, the main...
0: The, uh, the, the sheriff. Yeah. yeah. I don't either. I don't remember his actual, his real name, but he did a fantastic oh job.
1: man so good so uh yeah it was really really happy with that fay uh, Faye was too yeah, yeah
0: yeah yeah amy and i both watched that we were able to kind of talk in depth about it it was good it was suspenseful um it was a bit eerie i, I even like the uh, the uh, the kind of like the special person they brought into the psychic Yeah, you know, she wasn't really psychic though she was more so like um autistic she was almost like kind of like
1: well, we could call it a gifted individual. She was
0: gifted, yes, exactly gifted. She's been great. She was in that uh, in that movie, Bad Times of the Old Royale, which was a fantastic movie. She was the singer, the soul singer in that movie. Yep. So, oh yeah, um, I think her name's uh, Cynthia Erivo. Um, so yeah, a lot of stuff she's been she's been doing lately as well. So, uh, anything else that's uh, new or movies coming out that you're? Uh,
1: well. You know, movies coming out. I would say I was be interested in you know Star Wars movies coming out, but you and I both know how this has been going. So we'll skip over that. Yeah. Oh, I know one that you're interested in. Yeah. What's that? James Bond.
0: Yes, indeed. Yeah. The the new James Bond, uh, No Time to Die. I was extremely excited for. Supposed to be out a couple weeks back now, and now it's got pushed back to thanksgiving because of uh, so they want to play it at the theater they want to play it at the theater um because they know it's going to be a big box office this is the last daniel craig film. is it the last one huh it's the last one and it's supposedly going to kind of close off the whole daniel craig series of of films so specter was supposed to do that you know
1: who's going to be the next bond though don't you who's that beyonce
0: no (laughs) (laughs) i am not a fan of a female bond um just, just for the record anyways <laughs> yeah go ahead um so uh so yeah this is supposedly closed the loop specter was going to close the loop specter did not close the loop because i, I think there's some major plot holes in that film the first 20 minutes were my favorite in any bond film ever um the, the day of the dead um
1: yeah i love the sequence oh, too it was
0: so incredible and then i think after everything after that just kind of like got a little bit worse and then there's a couple major plot holes and I, and I think Daniel Craig did, really didn't want to leave his legacy at that, at, at Spectre and what Spectre did from a critical perspective, especially coming off the heels of Skyfall, which was probably the you know widely considered one of the best bonds ever made.
1: So do you think that Daniel Craig had a lot to do with let's do one more type idea.
0: I think Daniel Craig was done and he didn't ever want to do another James Bond. And the only reason he came back to do this bond is because he felt like this movie is supposedly going to fix all of the ills of specter.
1: Don't mean to put you on the spot, but uh, as far as like leaving legacies of James Bond films, Mm -hmm. um, is there another reference you can make to somebody who like for instance roger moore what was his last i was it octopussy or something like that
0: i don't think any of the other bonds cared at all about leaving a legacy. it means
1: something more than it did because i
0: think that craig took bond to a different place than the other people took bond to okay um i think he was actually trying to make like actual real films per se and i would and, and honestly i might catch some flack for this but i think the only other bond that was trying to do anything in the same vein as him was timothy dalton um, I think that Sean Connery was just trying to make movies off the books, and that was fine. And then he kind of got fed up with it. And then I think Roger Moore came along, and Roger Moore was just kind of like, I, I get to be with all these beautiful women and have all these gadgets, and I get to do all this fun stuff. And this is way better than doing TV.
1: Almost like a fan, yeah. of, of the genre type thing. And
0: yeah. then I, same thing with know uh, yeah, what I can't, Pierce Brosnan. I mean, the first two, Golden Eye, and uh, was it Tomorrow Never Dies? Is that the second
1: Golden Eye is classic, right? Golden
0: is classic, and yeah. the other one, the next one he did four. Um, I think it's Tomorrow Never Dies, right?
1: Yeah. Or let's die, die another day.
0: I think that was the one with uh, Denise Richards. That, <laughs> okay. Okay. That was... Ugh. So the first two, Pierce Brosnan, Brosnan, were good. Like, first one, Goldeneye, great. Second one, eh, it was all right. And then third and fourth one were just absolute garbage. So... Um, so this one i think craig's the only one that's like really because i think he put so much into these films from like even like a physical perspective to where he actually was yeah injured. i feel like he's
1: the only one that has actually um done training and works out to do the sequences Yeah, exactly yeah yeah
0: and, and and everything looks real and it looks it looks great so i i i'm really excited about what this is going to be and as much as i hate Having to wait. I do like the idea of seeing it like right around the holiday time instead of seeing it in April. I mean, my birthday's in April, so I was kind of like, hey, I get a birthday thing. I get to see a James Bond. Yeah. But now it's kind of like moved off. But if it moved off, it moved off into the time that I wanted it to move off to. So I'm I'm actually kind of excited about that. That's great. All right. Well, I think we're going to take a quick break. And then uh, on the other side, we're going to come back with uh, music. Stay tuned. (laughs) final segment here on uh, on music and uh, let's start off with uh, what you're listening to Scott
1: Well I have been listening to the same thing I've been listening to for years literally since my uh, sons were born um they're 4 years old now so a little bit before they were born Rafi I...
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yes Ruff. a little bit of that yeah. but mainly for myself my own enjoyment um, I've been listening to Sondheim. Ah. um, so, uh, this, how I got turned on to this is my wife and my daughter, they love show tunes. Mm-hmm. I wasn't too, you know, keen on these, yeah. on these tunes, uh, necessarily. There was always a, a little handful of tunes that I liked, yeah. uh, being a songwriter and I can spot the, the little golden chestnut, you know, right. but, uh. So there was some that popped up every once in a while and they'd be, and I'd say, what's this? I love this. Yeah. And it was always Sondheim. Yeah. So I started uh, seeking that out. We got the uh, Pandora radio station. I started listening to that all the time because at the um, after my wife went back to work, I would stay home and watch the kids. Yeah. The boys. And we would just, I would just play that. For him constantly, that and soundtrack music like uh, John Williams or whatever. Um, I just fell in love with this so much. And then I started to write down what tunes I liked, what songs I liked. And then my wife would buy me, uh, she bought me like a box set and then all the proper albums for each of the musicals. And then that spawned into her buying me the scores for everything. And, uh, it's just been, uh, a great time. And not to mention too, that, um, Stephen Sondheim just, um, celebrated his 90th birthday yeah. on March 22nd here. Um, just, um, a treasure, a national treasure mm-hmm. of Stephen Sondheim and probably the second best composer that is living. Yeah. Yeah, great, Are great. you familiar with uh, some t- Sondheim?
0: Yeah, yeah, a, a little bit. Um, um, I, I myself, uh, not a huge Shoenberg guy. Um, I don't really like musicals at all. But um, I was able to, uh, to catch uh, on HBO. HBO did, I think, the Sondheim Six, where they kind of go back to his his life and times, and yeah. and it, it was it's fun to listen to him kind of talk about how he uh, how he kind of got into. Music And I think that he comes off very down to earth. He doesn't come off as as being snarky or anything that you would expect somebody that probably wrote the best American musical scores of all time to be.
1: Yeah. And you know what else is interesting is he has such an incredible craft Mm -hmm. at his fingertips that when he's called upon, he's a servant to the director. He Mm -hmm. rallies to the vision of that person. Right. He can write for specific people that have specific ranges, yep. diction yep. that they would be familiar with and would sound natural. So he just has this uh, this whole other art to it that's it, kind of foreign. Even you know?
0: the, the emotion of the whole piece. Because I remember seeing him talk about when he wrote the lyrics to West Side Story, the, the, the actor that kind of let everything off was a new actor that he was not really this was this guy's first big show yeah and he would come off and when he would come off to start to, to to kind of like give his opening lines in west side story this this guy came off very flat but you needed to come off very big and be energized and so then he suggested that they write a tune to be able to present this guy yeah at the beginning of the uh at the yeah, beginning build of the, his confidence build the confidence and, yeah. so that way when he comes into his actual dialogue he's actually able to nail it amazing
1: yeah and you know people earlier on would think of sondheim as a lyricist and he was phenomenal and he is phenomenal he's a phenomenal lyricist but he's also an incredible composer that is so caring and gentle with every little piece that he does each show that he does he works with the director he works with the singers and he just nails it down in such a um an epic, an epic way. Just like I said, just a national treasure. Definitely mm-hmm. like maybe number two behind John Williams, a best living composer.
0: Yeah. Uh, one of the kind of harkening back to what you were talking about with the, the lyricist, like yeah. he kind of put it in a way that, that I hadn't thought of it before when he, he's talking about when you're writing lyrics for a song, whatever song you're writing these lyrics for that you really have to, you as a, as a musical artist, only have a very small birth of words that you can use so selecting the right word is extremely important because it's so magnified if you write a book it do, every word doesn't have to be so pristine uh, if you're a Hemingway then you're good at making sure you pick the right ones so yeah. the way that everything's just this artsy magnificent piece of work but, uh, but still even with Hemingway you're, you're writing a couple hundred pages of words You know, in a, in a, a lyric sheet you might have like You might have 100 words. You might have 40 words. You might have 30 words. If you pick the wrong one, it's going to stick out like a sore thumb.
1: Which is funny because as great of a lyricist as he is, he still hates it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) As much as any musician does, you know, writing lyrics. Because what happens is whenever you're writing lyrics, all of a sudden the song becomes very precious. Yes. It was very simple when you were doing it musically. Now the lyrics, they have to be very...
0: And it exposes you and how your brain works to the entire world. So each one of those lyrics that come out tells something about you individually. So then he's got basically, you know what, 70 years, 60 years, 65 years yeah. of just complete, you know, transparency of here's how I think about things, even if it's not just an out and out, here's how I think about things, but he's he's exposed. He's vulnerable to an entire population of people from now until eternity.
1: Compounded by the fact of the difference between a song and poetry, a song is done, the canvas is time. Mm -hmm. It's done within a time frame. Mm -hmm. So when you hear it, it should be instantaneous. You should understand the the connotation, what's happening, the little rhymes, the little winks, everything that happens. Poetry, you can read over and over again, and you ought to read it over and over again, to pick up all the little nuances right. of it and to, you know, the, the words that mean something, the, right. the chosen words and things. So this is an art form that is becoming lost. Mm-hmm. It really is. This is this is like building the Sistine Chapel type, mm-hmm. type of idea. Well, you kind of thought
0: that there was going to be people that would come after him. Like he was like, okay, cool. There so- are. Yeah,
1: there are. But again, never. I mean, Sondheim is 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 in a is a, in an American lineage with George Gershwin and Cole Porter and Harold Arlen. You know, you know and, what I and mean. Hammerstein, saying, right? Yeah, yeah uh, definitely. And he's in that lineage. Yeah. You know, uh, that gives way. You know, could uh, Copeland – and he's he's in there. But, and so that's that's a really that's a difficult uh, thing to break into there. But
0: he kind of saw uh, American Broadway musical as kind of like American opera.
1: He did with his with his uh, his uh, his backstory exactly of him with the Hammerstein's or whatever. Yeah. Right?
0: So he kind of saw it as that, and then thinking that there's going to be other people that come up that kind of take it as seriously as he took it but not in a jerk way because, I mean, it keeps coming up whenever he's talking. He's not doing it in a jerk. He's just kind of –
1: It's very matter of fact. Matter of fact. I thought
0: this is what was going to happen. It's not happening to the level I thought it was going to happen and it is what it is, but that's just kind of what I expected. What Italy really has with opera, that's kind of what I saw Broadway as here is like kind of the American form of vocal entertainment um, from a kind of like – Higher, higher view, higher level of here. Here's the social commentary uh, of, of the day that continues to progress forward. So, so yeah, I, he's as much as I'm not into Broadway music. I, I think he is a fascinating person, especially. And I think anybody that's involved in any fashion with music should know who he is and a little bit about him.
1: Yeah, he's a hero at our house, and we just love him. Here is a little bit of. Anyone can whistle.
0: Anyone can whistle any old day. Easy.
1: It's all. just so good. Well, um, you know, we kind of talked about a classic right there. Mm-hmm. That's a classic. And yeah. that's going to be a classic forever. To, uh, educate us. Tell us about something that's new, Johnny.
0: So I'll go over a couple albums that have come out in April that okay. I'm ex- personally excited about that I think are good albums. Um, first off is the, uh, the Strokes released a new album called The New Abnormal. Um, their release, uh, first single off this, is called bad decisions and they followed that up with uh the adults are talking uh this this record's actually really good if you're a strokes fan uh reminds me a lot more off of uh the first two records um is this it and room on fire um it's a little bit more a little bit less experimental a little bit more uh straightforward strokes uh this is uh produced by uh, rick rubin so whenever you Go get Rick Rubin to produce something. You're you're pretty serious about things, so uh, it's definitely worth checking out. It's a great uh, great record from them. I think it's the best record they've released since. Is this it? Their first record?
1: I heard just a little bit of this record, and it kind of reminded me of like uh, new wave music from the '80s. Is yeah. that is yeah. that something?
0: Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of got that kind of like kind of like garagey monotonous 70s feel that the strokes are kind of always known for but okay adding like that little bit of that like 80s new wave
1: so that's too. a new that's a new thing for them
0: i think so i think that they've been kind of progressing through that uh through the last couple albums um but their last album was out like six years ago so
1: how is- much um you know rick rubin always has a a big force mm-hmm. as a producer uh, in people's records um, uh, what do you see as his role being in this in this uh, record?
0: I think the big role that the Strokes and pretty much everybody that goes to Rick Rubin for, especially later on, um, yeah. is kind of helping to either recenter or get people interested in them again. And I think that this is kind of what's happened to the Strokes. I, I don't think the Strokes have put out a bad record. Um, I don't, you know, some records I like more than the others, but yeah. they haven't had just like a complete like stinker. Right. But because of that you kinda of lose interest, you know, uh, as, as a unless you're like a diehard strokes fan and that's your only band that you're into, it's easy to lose interest because they're not doing anything like extremely new. They're not going out on a huge branch. Um, so it's 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 typically time to call in the big producer that's going to get you a lot of write ups and get people thinking what's going on with this band. I think that that's that's where kind of the the name of Rick Rubin comes into this, and then he kind of helps add some other um different nuances to the record is this
1: uh possibly too like a, a hero of the bands
0: yeah I, I don't know i don't know enough about them to know if that's yeah, me neither uh if that's something they've always wanted to do or or someone they've always wanted to work with or not but um i not taking anything away from rick rubin he's a great producer but i think it's more almost more of like a marketing strategy to get people kind of maybe reinvigorated and them and maybe to maybe for them to be challenged outside of uh what they were used to
1: it's it's interesting that uh rick rubin plays a part like how you describe as to where they don't hire rick rubin to go hey make us sound like 1989 yeah they call him to focus on them yeah yeah which is pretty it's it's a mark of a great producer yeah it really is
0: and and once again this is me guessing because they're not they're not they're not putting this out in, in you know in yeah. Rolling Stone. We'll interview them next week. Yeah, exactly. They'll, okay, yeah, stay tuned. Uh, but uh, I know, that in coming, I think that's something that I would I would want as well. It's like I've 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 done enough low budget records to where it would be fun to have somebody that's not me that I but that I trust mm-hmm. to produce for me, right? Because there's there's producers out there that I would love to work with. Yeah. But uh, another another record that came out uh, Fiona Apple, she hasn't released an album. Yeah, uh, in a really long time uh, since uh, the Idler's Wheel, which I think came out in like 2012. If, uh, so I remember, yeah, 2012 was the Idler's Wheel. So she's been eight years making this record. This one's a little bit more uh, raw from a writing perspective. As well as a recording production perspective, and I, you could expect the rawness from a production if you're going to do it in your own home and all that sort of thing, but it's not bad raw. It's just kind of like I, I think it's I think this is the record she wanted to release, and I think she released it during COVID season because it would fly under the radar. Honestly. Yeah,
1: I'm. You played me some of this, yeah. and uh, you described it as dark. Yep. Uh, a little avant-garde mm-hmm. A little bit difficult to listen to As far as what you would expect Yes Yeah
0: Yeah, there's there's one particular song called um, Newspaper That has some really good elements
1: Let's uh, give that a little listen
0: Alright, here we, here we go A little bit of a uh, newspaper
1: Cause you and I didn't get a witness We're the only ones who know We will curse The moment that it kissed us from then on, it was his big show. I grew concerned when I saw him start to covet you. When I learned what he did, I felt close to you. when my own way, I fell in love with you. But he's made me up. Yeah, I see what you mean. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's a, it's a little bit. I mean, there's some good elements there, but then there's also like this just oddness. And I don't know if it's like, hey, I'm at my home and this is just me. And there's I'm sure there's some of like, this is just what I want. You to experience. I can dig it. Yeah, but anyways, there are some good tracks on there. I I I do suggest you uh, check out the album. Um, Yeah,
1: I I liked. I I did like it.
0: So um, the last uh, record I'm really interested in and excited about is uh, John Anderson just released a new a new record. Um, He's country guy. Grew up listening to John Anderson. He had a kind of came to fame. He was from Florida, uh, northern Florida. Came to fame in the late '70s. Okay, had a couple really big hits in the '80s. Kind of. Uh, rode the wave of those hits until the early 90s and then in the early 90s had another wave of hits so in the 80s he he had Swinging was his biggest hit can can you play
1: a little bit of that for me? yeah Yeah. for
0: sure Daddy was in the backyard rolling up a garden hose I was on the porch with Sean and feeling up down to my toes and we were swinging swinging yes we were swinging so you, you recognize that I do yeah yeah so i I had that forty five when I was a kid and I play it all the time between that and Elvira apparently.
1: I never knew who did it
0: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so uh, but he actually just released a new record uh, called years and uh this this album is actually pretty phenomenal uh coming from somebody that uh Really hasn't released a whole lot uh, in the last couple of years. He last record was out in 2015, and then he kind of had a bout with some illness that was pretty bad. I'm not sure exactly what was going on with him medically, but um, it, it looked pretty bleak according to some of the articles that I read. Okay. Uh, Dan Auerbach and, um, and his buddy David Ferguson, who's also a producer. Uh, kind of talk about their love for John Anderson In the studio And they're like hey wonder what he's doing So they reach out to John Anderson Find out that he's not really doing a whole lot And uh, say hey why don't we work on this album And this, this is album. so
1: obscure <laughs> What an obscure yeah. So they both knew who this was
0: Yeah so like, like me yeah. uh, Dan Auerbach from his youth Loved John Anderson, where grew did up on Dan, Anderson I know songs. you
1: grew up in Kentucky yes. But where did Dan Auerbach grow, uh, grow Dan up Dan
0: Auerbach grew up in Akron, Ohio Okay. So um,
1: roundabouts. Yeah,
0: roundabouts and
1: uh, either way they recognized this person. Yeah. They both lamented about him yes. not being around.
0: Yes, exactly. And uh, okay. reached out and he was interested in doing something. So the three of them got together and uh, co-wrote all of the uh, the songs on the record, all ten songs.
1: Do you know how what that time period was? Where, like how long that they would have spent together? Um, Does that I say? think this yeah. was
0: about a two year process, I believe. Oh, that's so nice. I, I want to say they reached out in 2017, if I remember from the article that I read. To kind of reached out 2017, and from 2017 to I think the record was finished late 2019, early 2020. So. That's good. So yeah, and it's uh, it's good because it's uh, the, the 90s hits from John Anderson were like Seminole Wind, and uh, th- the, those sound like 90s country, right? And John Anderson had an act for re-recording some of his hits from the early 80s, so like, Swing In was re-released in the 90s as well with a more 90s take on it, which I still like the original 80s version, even though 80s country was kind of awful recording in my perspective. That's the recording I grew up with, so that sounds real to me
1: um wasn't a polished nashville sound exactly or it was
0: kind of like it was what was done at that time okay so now we go into years and years sounds like uh it's really good i mean the production's amazing but it's amazing in a way that is it doesn't have it doesn't have uh dan auerbach's fingerprints on it like mm. not not and i'm not saying that negative about anybody yeah i think john uh, i think that I think that Dan Auerbach did such a fantastic job with this that he was able to keep his fingerprints off of it and just make a really, really good John Anderson record. He loved
1: it so much that he showcased the artist exactly. instead of him his production.
0: Exactly. Which which to me is I mean, that's that's kind of like that's kind of like the pinnacle of being a producer. It's yeah. It's like how do you, you know, how do I keep my fingerprints off of this and how do I showcase this guy and yeah. this guy, that this whole album all about this guy? And I mean, sure, you can hear some of the guitar solos and you're like, oh, yeah, that's Dan Auerbach. If you know it's Dan Auerbach, but if I didn't know it, I would just think that, okay, this guy got some really good studio musicians hmm. and the writing team is really good.
1: Can you play us something? Yeah,
0: here's uh, here's the, the title track Years. Just hope you see tomorrow. That's the new John Anderson track, Years, off the album Years, produced by Dan Auerbach and David Ferguson.
1: Convincing. Yeah. Legit.
0: So we're going to take a quick break and then uh, come back and close up. Well, that's uh that's this week's show Uh glad you uh joined us and uh, hung out with us for a little bit to talk a little music movies uh, tv
1: it was great being here again yeah yeah you know
0: yeah so uh, so yeah we hope uh hope you guys uh continue to tune in we hope you uh share with your friends and uh hope you click the little uh bell on the uh old youtube oh you have
1: gotta click that thing you
0: click the little bell
1: johnny yes can we please go out with a little sondheim just at the end Sure. All right. We'll see you next time.
0: We've come a long way. We've been through a lot. We've learned how to bounce. As Papa would say, you're hot, then you're not. You better learn to bounce. If something goes wrong, that's all right. Bounce along.
1: Just travel light You go off the track Don't look back That's the thing that counts You hit a few bumps You make a few gaps You learn how to